Welcome to Subtext and Discourse, a podcast which takes you behind the scenes of the art world with the unique individuals involved in the field. My name is Michael Dooney, director of Jarvis Dooney Gallery and host of the show. In today's episode, I'm speaking with visual artist Boris Eldugson. I've known Boris for about 10 years. I showed his safety by numbers work at my gallery in 2014, and this is the third interview that we've recorded together. Earlier this year, Boris famously refused to accept the 2023 Sony World Photography Award for his AI-generated image, The Electrician, which caused an uproar in the photography community and quickly became international news. Boris and I speak about the evolution of his artistic practice and how AI was the next logical step for him, what has happened since the award ceremony and how it has been for him at the centre of this controversy, as well as an unexpected backstory to the famous image which will likely change how you view the work. Be sure to follow Subtext and Discourse Artworld Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Leave a review and share the podcast with your friends. Now, without further ado, I hope you enjoy my interview with Boris Eldogson. So, Boris, really good to see you again. <laughs> nice that we got to meet in Arles in the south of France in the sunshine. I wanted to bring up Arles because I think, well, we all know, I guess within the community, it's an important place for connecting with people for making new connections and for nurturing old ones. And your kind of entry point into the art world was more as a contemporary artist using photography and you came to the photographic scene a bit later, but it was through the festival circuit that you really found a lot of opportunities. And I guess the connection that you made here years prior led you to an exhibition that you had a few years ago. Yes. Hi, Michael. Good seeing you again. <laughs> I have lived some years in Australia and when I returned to Germany around 2010, some people were recommending me to do portfolio reviews. And so I did. I remember the first one in Paris in 2012. And I met the director of the War Off Festival in Arles and he said, you should apply. And I applied for the War Off Festival and I won the award in 2013, which is like 10 years ago. And since then, I'm here each summer. Like the first week of July is set for me. I book in December and it's a mix of holiday, um, meeting old friends, uh, getting to meet uh, new interesting people from the photo world. And yes, I'm a part of the furniture now. <laughs> and when we last spoke, so when I say when we last spoke, when we recorded our last podcast together, yeah. This was around 2020, and you had one of your immersive installations here. Yes, that was uh, self-organized. It was a whole basement with three different rooms, and just the installation took two weeks. But it was too early. Yeah, It was still like in the time of the pandemic, and the only visitors were mainly like French, a couple of European, and not that many people saw the installation. The reason I bring it up is because... You, so you were working with Tanvir Talud from Bangladesh, is that right? Yeah. And already at this time, you were using existing photographs and not taking new ones to make new work. Yes. I love collaborations because it opens up new ways of new workflows. And with Tanvir, it's something special. We just met through mutual friends. He studied in Bangladesh and the way he looks at the work and the world and I do is very close. You know, we have different backgrounds, different religious upbringings and different age groups, but we, we know what we are doing and why we are doing it. 
And five, six years ago, we decided not to photograph, but to use existing photographs and to dissolve them in many different ways, analog and digital, and create new work out of it. And that opened many doors for me. Yeah, and and leaving photography in between, but ending up with a photograph as a result of the work. So that means we are using existing images from our archives. Then they are like printed, cut into pieces or projected or dissolved. And all the things you do in between are is more drawing, painting, performance than photography. And the end result is photographed again. And with this uh, photography, it becomes wallpaper or prints or fabric. So um, the way of working with images just became broader. And I think knowing that, it didn't surprise me that you were working with AI and became involved with this way of generating images because you'd already taken that sort of sidestep from photography to experiment and use images in a different way. Totally. And and I come from an art school, so it was less about photography, but creating images. And I love to work with AI because it's liberation from any material limitations. It doesn't matter if it's warm or cold outside, if it's dark or bright, if you have the right gear, the right location, people that are willing to do whatever you have in your mind. And suddenly you can work purely from your imagination. And that is very exciting. And I was, the last time I was so excited about creating art, it was when I was a student. And really? uh, now it happens again. But I have 30 years of experience that I can use in the process. And that's great. So, how did you first come across that? Because you were a beta tester and everything, weren't you? It happens here. So um, it's good that we are having this talk in AL. I knew on and off that the first things happened in 2014, 15 uh, with the GAN model and then with the switch to the diffusion model in 2020, I became aware of it again. And a French colleague of mine, David Fatih, was giving a little introduction in one of those off events in AL. And I went there last summer. And he gave me an overview and he kind of hooked me and he gave me the recommendation to uh, sign up on the wait list for DALI 2. And I did with three different email addresses and I managed to get in before him. (laughs) And since then I was doing it on a daily basis. It pulls you in. It's very fascinating when you start that suddenly you are able to describe an image, to describe what you have in mind in your imagination, and then it's created. It's like a God-like moment, like in the Old Testament, where God is saying, I want to be day, I want to be night, I want to have water and land, and you get it. Yeah. For me, it makes absolute sense that you're working with this new medium. Like if I follow your evolution over years of knowing you, somehow it's normal that you would be using this kind of technology. It to was like the work. tool I always waited for without knowing. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> even thinking about the earlier experiments you were doing when we, I think probably when we met in like 2013, 14, you were doing these image exchanges with people, I guess, to try to access the unconscious and the subconscious through how we re- react to things. I guess the AI stuff is really like ideal for this, really, or no? Yes, and the process with Tanvir was 
the best preparation because what Tanya was doing is picking images from our archives and doing some magic with the images. But he could not make an edition and choose and take it further. So often he was sending me a dozen variations of two of the images he worked on. And it was my task to say, okay, this is the strongest or this is perfect, done, and here something is missing. And then I continued and added the missing parts and was working on it. And it's the same workflow with AI image generators. Often you get four images mm -hmm. and then you have to decide, would you like to take them further? Do you stop here? What is missing? Yeah, I was uh, totally prepared and fascinating right now is that I'm trying to incorporate AI in the collaboration with Tanvir. Mm -hmm. So it's three of us now being involved <laughs> and we are figuring out if we add AI in the beginning, in between or at the end. Mm -hmm. And the result can be shown in September in two upcoming shows then. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think the first series of yours I saw, was it called Vomit? Is that the first one? That was last summer, yes, yeah. And this is about, I guess, again, talking about the subconscious, the unconscious, yes. and you're quite into Jung. Yeah. I realized how censored Dali 2 was and how impossible it was to, to use certain terms. It was a challenge for me and like a crossword riddle. How can I explain certain censored words differently? What is the workaround? And I tried to play with that. And often you, you hit a wall and then the system warns you that you have done something wrong. But often I succeeded. I managed to create an explicit looking image that is open for your imagination with this platform. And then in the second step to continue to work with the platform within painting out painting, Dali 2 said, no way <laughs> how dare you to upload this image yeah oh so the image that was generated from the software fed back into it and i said started no. with text prompt and i made the platform generating images it disliked wow it didn't want to use for the next step of in painting out painting and that was for me a parallel to the jungian idea of the shadow where you have negative sides you don't want to see and you hate them if you see them in somebody else. yeah. And that is called the shadow. And I've thought, okay, so I'm exploring now the Jungian shadow of Dali 2. <laughs> It was a lot of fun and I had so many warnings and they deleted my account twice. But because I registered with three different email addresses, I was back very <laughs> quickly. And are you just using the one platform? or the, I guess there's a few of them now, aren't there? That was the best platform last summer. Last yeah. summer, Midjourney was very illustrative and wasn't very interesting. Dali 2 was the best thing to do and Stable Diffusion was not released yet. Yeah. And I have since uh, followed all new releases and I'm trying out all new platforms and options to work. And it keeps on accelerating yeah, in a speed that it's too fast even for me that I'm doing it like 100% to, to try it all out in depth. Yeah, Sometimes you have five new features in a week. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. But you're really, I guess your central focus is not just the 
you're not trying to create realistic images. You're really pushing the creative possibilities of the AI imagery, aren't you? Yes, I, I think uh, I have done certain things in photography and achieved certain things. And I want to use AI to produce something that I could not do with photography. Mm-hmm. And that is exciting. And there's a lot you can do <laughs> to go further. Well, I think we should talk about the Sony World Photography Awards. There is a really great podcast already on your website with Eric Farland from Norway, who kind of covers everything in depth. So I don't think we need to redo it, but just in a nutshell, what happened? At the end of last year in autumn, I decided to make a test. By that time, I was already very visible in Germany doing interviews, presentations on the topic of AI. Of AI. And, you know, in autumn, it's a season of all the open calls. <laughs> so I had a look at photo competitions and I was just curious to see if they have taken into account that somebody can hand in AI generated images. And they haven't. And I was surprised. It was all over the media in in August, September. And why don't you just do your homework and change the regulations in October, November and say, okay, AI-generated images included. Or, yeah, please, we want to have them, anything. But it was too early for people to see that uh, possibility and too early for most to come up with a certain position on problem so i applied with the same images three times and i was shortlisted three times and with the sony world photography award i was selected as the winner of the open category creative they told me in mid-february and yeah immediately i said listen what you need to know it's ai generated you can disqualify me or if you want to go ahead we need to have an open discussion on the relationship between ai and photography And to cut it short, they never responded to my suggestions, only the third time, (laughs) promising me to do a QA and a on the blog before the award ceremony, and they couldn't keep that promise. I was waiting for the questions. They never were sent to me. And I also realized that they tried to keep it under the radar. When they released four weeks later, mid-March then, press release they got media inquiries immediately asking is it ai or not and they contacted me asking me to give them more information that they can pass on to the press and i sent to them within like 40 minutes and they sent me a short reply saying thank you making me believe that they had used my statement but they didn't mm. and because i'm friends with the media i know that what they sent out was just a generic blah blah not even mentioning ai and i asked them why didn't you use my statement i got no response so in short what i realized they have no position about the relationship between ai and photography they could have said we love ai generated images it's the future of photography they could have said no we don't need it here it's not photography anything would have been fine yeah but they decided just not to talk about it keep it under the radar and do it like every year so the option i had left was to do something disruptive that they can't be silent about and that was flying to london on my own expenses hiring a tuxedo because it was dress code black tie flying there with EasyJet hand luggage. So I was wearing this tuxedo for 24 hours, going to an expensive hotel next to Hyde Park and turning up there to at some point get on the stage, getting the microphone and telling them that I'm refusing the award because it was AI generated. And I later sent them my text and I 
published it on social media and went to bed. And then it became viral. But like this is like more than viral. This isn't just like getting a tweet that gets a thousand hits. Like this was essentially this was like international news. Like all publications, all newspapers, magazines, websites, everybody was talking about this picture. And people that have no idea who you are probably have seen this picture now. Now yes. it's part of the zeitgeist. Yes, I think it was a very important for the photo community to talk about it, and they shared it and discussed it and made the media aware of what has happened. And because we are now like on the cusp of a new era of how to perceive reality, how to handle images that look like photography, that there are so many questions involved. I have been very active in Germany and as a citizen, I'm concerned about the potential of disinformation. I can talk about this topic with different glasses on. Then the whole media came. I was in, in, in breakfast TV. I was live on BBC World and Al Jazeera and CNN and had multiple interviews and people talking about it. And nothing of this I could have imagined before. Yeah. See it. it was really the photo community. Like one example was a Chinese photographer contacting me saying he has translated my text into his language. The next day he came and said, hey, it has 50,000 clicks. And the next day I had an interview request from Beijing uh, News. And that happened all around the globe. So yeah. I have to thank the photo community yeah, for really pushing it further because that conversation was really needed. And what I experienced in Germany is nobody really understands what is happening. They are all shocked and frozen. And the technology has been accelerating since last August. It's like a big bang. And from there on, it just speeds and accelerates 360 degrees constantly. So it needed to change and it has changed. And I'm very thankful for that. Because this is like in the last three months since the... Since mid, mid April, yeah. And you always wanted to have a dialogue about this and to have a discussion. Have changes happened? Yes. It started to happen and some festivals are still trying to come to a position. Like last night at a friend's event, I was talking to a festival in Israel and they have no clear regulations that they invite AI to generate images or not. The director said, I don't mind. And I said, you need to be clear about it. You need to be transparent. Yes, there was another no, festival it? from Sydney and said, it's not photography. Yeah, what are you talking about? So you have certain teams, like one team that is talking from the outcome. It looks like photography, so what's the fuss? And then you have another team, that, which I belong, to talking about the process. Yeah, and what is photography? Photography has a light in its name. It is creating an image with particles of light. And that is very important to define photography. And for promptography, I don't need light. I need Wi-Fi, electricity, <laughs> a laptop. I can be in a dark room. And these conversations are happening. Many photo competitions did do their homework, already changed their regulations, and many decided not to incorporate AI-generated images, but opened up satellite events and satellite competitions for AI only. And I'm very happy about this. And, but it's going on. I was also invited to become a jury member of a new award for AI-generated images in Australia. 
And the first title they had in mind was something about camera peculiar. <laughs> and I said, please, can we change the name? Yeah, with, for photography, we don't need a camera. It's again, it's mixing up the terminology. And we had several emails and they were very open to discuss and to give themselves time to find the right title. Yeah. That is what I wanted to achieve. Like you have to keep in mind my background is also six years of philosophy. So the definition of terms is <laughs> what I was doing all the time. And it hurt me seeing posts on social media where people called it AI photography. And even like yesterday, it was very bad on AI organized by the festival here. There was an Asian artist calling the work she was doing AI photography and I went to her later and I said, please think twice, yeah? call it differently, call it AI generated image, call it photography, call it centrography, one of those names that are out there, but don't mix it up, photography is something else. Yeah, absolutely. What I also wanted to ask you as well is how has this whole, I guess, event ordeal how has it affected you? Because you've been an artist for like 30 years. And I would say within the community, people know who you are. Like you've, you've exhibited internationally. You've had a lot of high-profile exhibitions. You created a lot of really thought-provoking and interesting work. And then something like this happens that a lot of people are kind of say, oh, who's this guy? Who's What is he even doing this for? This isn't right. He sh and I mean, I've seen as well on social media where people are saying, he should be punished for this. There should be consequences for doing these kind of things. Like, how, is, like, how have you processed it as a person? Because I think everyone's talking about AI, everyone's talking about all the other things, but you, know, you were kind of at the center of a lot of this. Yes, but when, because I was the center, I didn't have the time to read everything people were talking. The only thing I could read was like direct messages and emails. And yes, everybody's talking about this. And also yesterday at a panel discussion here, but what I realize is mostly those talks are on a low level. They just touch the surface. It's people that are not using those new tools. They have no clue about the workflow they have no clue that it can be a skill in itself that needs time and understanding. Most of the conversations just touch the surface. The personal messages I got were like 95% positive. I had one email just telling me, you are a scary person <laughs> and no explanation. I had a very touching email by an Italian poet telling me that he doesn't care how the image was made and it's very important for him. It touches him. It resembles his life and the situation he's in with his mother having dementia, living at him at his place. And he saw many parallels and he was just touched and kind of consolidated him. And he wanted to say, thank you. That really touched me. Yeah. And I saw, yeah, the industry people just, thanking me also here at the festival, the people that I know for years, they come and they say, thank you, it was really brave. How it is going to change like my life as an artist or whatsoever, I don't know. You have to ask me in a year. It is like for over two months, yeah, I had inquiries and interviews and offers and I still get like two, three inquiries a day sometimes minimum like a dozen a week and it comes yeah. from all sides i've been the first to do workshops i get inquiries for workshops for lectures for keynote presentations i get people that want to exhibit the work 
festivals today in British Museum. I got an email. I have commercial galleries that would like to work with me. I have organizations that want me to do some workshops with teenagers, children on political topics. I had a magazine from Italy wanting me to make a portrait of a famous Italian hip-hopper using AI. It comes from all sides. It's always surprising for me. I got an invitation to be a keynote speaker on the Creative Commons conference in October. So wow. this is what happens. And media likes to come back. Yeah? Many of the journalists that interview me realize that I know a lot, not only because I do work with the tools. I'm a member of two big German photographers' associations, Deutsche Fotografische Akademie and Deutsche Gesellschaft der Fotografie. And since one and a half years, we have an umbrella organization in Germany, Deutsche Fotorat, German Photo Council, which has the German Photographers Association under one umbrella. Earlier this year, we founded a working group on AI, and I was the guy who knew the most about the technology, and I did presentations telling them this is what it can do. Now use it and think about the effects it's going to have on what you do as a commercial photographer, as a photojournalist, as an artist. So all those members created position papers between February and April, And out of those single position papers, we created an overall photorat position paper. And that is more like an, an activism right now. And it does continue. So I was invited to talk with the picture editors of Frankfurt Allgemeine Zeitung. It's one of the big ones. The colleagues of the freelance, the German photojournalists, were talking in Hamburg to Spiegel, Zeit and Stern. And we figured out that it is important in a democracy to have a look at how authentic images are presented, labeled, how transparent it is, that there is a quality control, that there is a fact check to create awareness in the population of a democracy that in the future, when you see something looking like a photograph, you should assume by default it's generated <laughs> <laughs> unless it's proven otherwise. And how can this be proven? So what we are trying to achieve after the summer break is to getting the German press onto virtual roundtables to discuss the workflows they have and how it is communicated, what we can change if they need more money, different structures, how this can be financed, what the state could, could do, how we can maintain the freedom of press. And I really care about photojournalism as an important part of democracy. And I see many problems there for the colleagues in photojournalism. Most of them are paid badly. They need second jobs to pay their rent, but the commercial jobs They have been imploding since January. Yeah, It's yeah. a disruption of the whole photo job world where agencies and magazines started to generate images themselves. And in the past, these have been standard jobs for photographers. So they will disappear. Do you think in a sense that what AI is doing to photography now is what digital cameras did to photography 
in the 90s? I think it's more what photography did to painting. <laughs> Going back in the past yeah. and stealing like the jobs of painters doing portraits. Yeah? And there's a beautiful quote by Charles Baudelaire, French poet, uh, saying that the photographers are just lazy, failed, untalented painters. And this is what photographers say about AI artists today. Yeah, It's a replay, but it's upside down. Like when photography was new and, and stealing like the portraits and the depiction of reality from painting, painting was freed yeah, to experiment. And that was like the kickoff for the history of 20th century painting, modern painting. And now with AI and photography, it's just the opposite. All parts of photography can be taken over or enriched by AI except documentary. And then we have photojournalism being under attack from two sides. Like one is the, the money that photojournalists earn. And the second is that the amount of fake images that anyone can generate are the many limits, times much yeah. more than the authentic images and the average citizen, how can they differ seeing it in social media? We will see a perfect storm shaking the creative industry and it will change, the structure will change. But I still believe that AI is also a potential for the creative industry to get onto another level. Professionals are freaked out because AI is pushing the outcome of untrained, unskilled image makers to a higher level because the AI is filling in all the missing knowledge. And then the gap between the professionals and the average unskilled image makers has gone. It's very small now. But what they miss out on seeing is that as a professional, if you are using AI, you can also do things you haven't been able to do in the past. You can get onto a higher level as well, but the gap will not be as big as in the past. Okay. What impact has this had on your photography? Like, do you still go out with the camera and take pictures? I haven't had the time. <laughs> yeah. Not for media inquiries, but for private reasons. When it started with AI, my partner got a cancer diagnosis. <sighs> so I'm the sorry. whole autumn I spent in doctor's offices, like getting up at 6.30, um, driving her from Brandenburg to Berlin to the clinic to the doctors, waiting there. And I got back home sometimes at 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, and then my working day started. So that was autumn and autumn every year was the time of the year for me to go out and photograph. Yeah. So the option to play with AI image generators was my only creative balance yeah, that I could get. And I was thankful that I could just use my smartphone sitting in a hospital and waiting room, <laughs> being creative and getting some energy. Yeah. Like the whole treatment went well. And everything is going to the right direction. But you, this is like the subtext of me and the AI story is that many positive and negative things were lined up parallel. It was also good to be able to play around with those things, to get deeper, to have people wanting to have interviews with, with me because then my partner and I, we had also... A normal life talking about different things not talking about cancer and the treatment all the time yeah i think that helped also yeah. i'm really sorry to hear but i'm happy that it's at least going in the right direction yeah it does
the reason I wanted to ask you about your photography is because before when you were doing the collaborations, you were using your own source material and I guess using the image generators, it's whatever they've been trained on. Have you experimented with your own work? And I guess part two of my question is because I think Michelle Huang, I'm probably pronouncing her name wrong, she fed her old journals from when she was a teenager into ChatGPT and then spoke to her, her inner child through AI. And thinking about your own interest in psychoanalysis, the subconscious, have you fed your old pictures into it and seen what's come out? I've tried some blend with journey and the result was disappointing. Like it would be better for me to go out to a museum island at night. Yeah, so I, I can do it better. And what I said before, I'm not interested in imitating something or training the AI with my former style. Yeah, I want to go further. But what I do now as a project, and I have been working on this for two and a half years, is I work with images that are partially inherited from my father. He was born in 24. He participated in World War II when he was 16. And he survived. He never talked about it. At the end of his life, he had lots of those flashbacks and traumas. And after his death, I found a couple of images from that time and from his childhood that one of us has seen before. That happened in 2000. And then I remember between 2000 and 2006 on Berlin flea markets, I was somehow attracted by all the leftovers of dead people, yeah, of, of dissolved uh, households and old photo albums. So I was buying a lot of images from the 40s. And then I stopped. I had no clue what to do with them. Yeah, because that time this was somebody else's material. How do I work with it? But three years ago, through the process of working with Tanvir, where it was also his archive, <laughs> <laughs> I realized, hey, we could have used the, the process of Tanvir and I not working with his and my archive, but with all the images I have collected. Yeah. And I expected that once I had the pictures or the negatives like there won't be that many left in the world and there won't be a copyright problem and then my partner got me onto it again she bought me some photo albums that she was just stumbling over and then she said look at ebay and then i was hooked yeah and i was buying lots of stuff from ebay and uh, most of the material you could get was photographed by german soldiers privately before and after combat and many of them had little cameras with them and was also encouraged and what was really really strange is that you find the most material being shot on what is today ukraine and then the ukraine war started and ukraine was attacked by russia and then i was suddenly like in two wars parallel happening on the same ground yeah. And that also pushed that project further. And my entry into AI a year ago was trying to generate material I could mix because getting really good photographs from that time, original photographs, cost a lot of money. And I think I spent a lot of money. I had 8,000 euros to spend for funding, and I think half of it went just to eBay. <laughs> But now I have all of these images and the technology advanced so quickly in a year that I can use it, I can blend it, I can work with this and Tanvir is also part of it. 
and it offers you some spooky options. You can use portraits from people that had to experience all of this in the 40s and generate a ghost of them. And then with text prompts, put them back into a different scenarios. So I'm, my plan is to try to visualize the dramatic flashbacks of my father. Also to tell how war is fucking up, like everybody that has to participate and then is unconsciously passed on to their children and grandchildren. And I am like the son of a traumatized ex-soldier. Yeah. This is what I'm working on right now. It's going to be shown then in September and the title is Trauma Porn. And I'm still discussing with uh, the curator of a show in Augsburg if we call it Trigger Warning. Mm. Because you need a trigger warning. It's not going to be a pleasant work to look at. But coming back to the Sony Award and to the image, the electrician, it explains why there is a 40s aesthetic in that picture. Because that was the project I was working on and that was what I was playing with at that time. Wow. Yeah. Really good to talk, Boris. Thank you for sharing. And Thank you. Talk to you in two years. Two years. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed my interview with Boris Eldugson. It's been amazing to see the attention and recognition he has received this past year and I'm really excited to see where it will take him. In the show notes, you can find links to Boris's website and social media, his detailed breakdown of the 2023 Sony World Photography Awards, the trauma porn exhibition that we spoke about, and a link to our podcast from 2020. Boris mentioned ARLS and how various photography festivals have opened up different opportunities for him over the years. Many other people, myself included, have also benefited from their participation in such events. As there wasn't a central list with all of this information, I decided to put something together myself. So if you go to my website, www.michaeldooney.net forward slash photography festivals, you can access a list of over 180 international photography festivals, art fairs and photo book events, including whether or not they offer portfolio reviews, open calls, workshops and more. Subtext and Discourse Artworld Podcast is streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and every major podcast platform. If you enjoyed this episode and know someone else who would appreciate it, why not send them a link to the show? That's all for now. Thanks again for tuning in. My name is Michael Dooney and you've been listening to Subtext and Discourse.